0: Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Proverbs chapter 18. You know, not only has God given us a prophetic word every month, but something unusual has happened in my own heart this last year. And that is every month, in fact, the month ahead of time, usually I already know what God wants me to preach that month. And it's always amazing to me uh, how the series or the message kind of tie into the last message and one builds upon the other. In this particular month, I just felt led of the Lord to teach on the power of your words the power of our words you know some of us who have been in the charismatic ministry and and under charismatic word of faith teaching for years we know the importance of saying the right thing but you know every so often I even catch myself you know saying some things that I'm thinking wait a minute I need to ask myself is that confession line up with the word of God and in Proverbs chapter 18 and uh, I I found this so interesting as I was studying out says a brother Offend it is harder to win than a strong city. Proverbs 18, verse 19. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth and from the produce of his lips. He and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so, I, you know, it just really amazed me how the Scripture was lined up in this particular category. And in Proverbs, there are sections of tidbits, is what I would call them. Hey, this is a good tidbit to live by. This is another good tidbit to live by. And so the, uh, Solomon writing this said, listen, you know, a brother offended. Well, why is he offended? Chances are because of what somebody said. Don't you think? You know, when you look at this, I do too. And then he went and said, and he said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so when it comes to uh, developing this life of a powerful confession, you know, we need to remember that when we're speaking to people, we're investing in people. Words have a tendency to create an image on the inside of us. Let me just say a saying here. Two off beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun. What image do you have? A Big Mac and if you don't recall that you know you were born in after 2000 but anyway and that's all right but you know but my point is that words put images on the inside of us and we need to ask ourselves if this scripture is validated in our own lives you know what kind of image are we putting on the inside of people that we come in contact with it's so very important you know um, One of the things that we do as as ministers here in this church, as Pastor Vicki alluded to, is that we also oversee a region of ministers, and in the process that we're trying to help them, mentor them, and teach them. And one of the things that I try to so subtly say, and that is there is a cell phone etiquette that many people aren't aware of. And if you're having lunch with me, and you're on your cell phone more than you're talking to me, then what you're saying is that I'm not important. You know, and when I'm with somebody, I've taken the attitude of when I'm with you, you're the most important person in my life. And if you're really the most important person to God, then you should be the most important person to me. And I should be used of the Lord to invest in your life, at least encourage, at least strengthen, at least help you feel good about yourself. And so that's where death and life are in the power of the tongue. I can say things that will just totally rain on your picnic. Or I can say things that will cause you to leave and say, you know what? Man I, I, man, I can, you know, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Glory to God! You know, I feel like you know uh, Superman on steroids or something. And you know, that's that's my goal in life. My goal in life is to every person I come in contact, I I, I leave them feeling better about themselves. Well, it doesn't happen just because I show up and I'm so dark, tall, and handsome. It doesn't happen because. That was supposed to be funny, but anyway. I guess it's true, that's why you didn't laugh. But anyway, but no, it doesn't happen just because I show up. It happens because of what I invest. And our words are a form of investment. Well, how do we get to the place where our words are life? Our words are really a result of what we let into our ear gates. What we predominantly Listen to or what we predominantly let into our eye gates. Jesus said this. He said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and the fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. You broad vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of what? The heart, what you've been listening to, what you've been reading. A good man, say good man, out of the good treasures of his heart. How do good treasures get into your heart? It's a result of what you let be deposit into your heart. That's how good treasures get put into your heart. You know, it's going to be very difficult for me to invest good things in people if I'm constantly listening to negative things. In fact, all that's going to come out of my heart if I'm constantly listening to negative things are negative things. And so Jesus uh, addressed this by saying, For out of the abundance of the heart of uh, the mouth speaks for a good man. A good man out of the good treasure of heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure uh, brings forth evil things. But I say to you, for every idle word men may speak, They will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You know, one of the things that Jesus said, he said, If you confess me before man, I shall confess you before my Father. In fact, the Word of God says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ... And you believe he's the son of God and God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. How important is confession? Well, your words of confession can either justify you or condemn you. That's how important your confessions are. Jesus went on to say this in Mark chapter 4. He said, take heed to what you hear. Take heed to what what you hear. For the same measure you use, the same measure that you hear. It will be measured back to you. So upon the same level that you listen to things or upon the same level that you give attention to things, it's going to be regurgitated, if I could say it that way, back out of the abundance of your heart. I don't know about you, but I want to be a person that brings joy and brings life and brings edification and brings strength to everybody I come in contact You know, they don't need to know all about the negative things I went through in life. You know what? And chances are they don't really care. And if I do say them, they wish I would shut up and not talk about the negative things I went through in life. You know, because they, they don't need that to affect them. But they need to be encouraged. They need to be strengthened. And that comes from hearing the right things and listening to the right things. He wanted to say, it'll be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. I really believe the content of these things is that the more right things, things of edification, things that give you strength, things that build you up, that you listen to, the more it will be given to you. For whoever has to him, more, uh, more will be given, but whoever does not have, even that will be taken from him. And so the beginning of developing a powerful confession starts with what are you listening to and what are you hearing? That's so important. And also your ear gates, also your eye gates. So let me ask you a question. If you made an investment, whether it's stocks or metals or real estate, and someone that was an expert in the investment that you made came up to you and said it was going to double in 30 days, what kind of image would that cause on the inside of you? What would you do? Well, first of all, I know what I would do. I'd begin checking the market every day. What's going on with it? Is it increasing? I'd begin expecting, hello, somebody. I'd begin to expect, I mean, after all, this guy's an expert in this area, and he said that my investment, that I invested right at the most perfect time that I could ever invest, and to expect a double. So I would begin to expect, because after all, after all, the expert said it's gonna double. I'd begin to expect, I'd be checking the market, I'd mark my calendar when 30 days are. And not only would I uh, mark my calendar and have an expecting of seeing increase, I would start thinking what I'm going to do with that money when it increases. All that was generated by a statement. By a statement that we chose to believe. Even though it hadn't come to pass, it was a sort of, in a sense, a prophetic word. You know, Vicky said something about, you know, us getting a word every month. And it's not by coincidence. There is a reason why these words are being spoken. And when we say the church, we're not always referring to, and most of the time, we're not referring to this individual congregation or this organization called Family Worship Center. Anybody who has been living for God here in the last 24 months know that there's been a purposeful onslaught to shut the church down. You know that we're in a spiritual warfare. You know there are things going on that would try to shut the mouths of godly people. But Paul said this to Timothy, however timothy no verse 18 first timothy chapter 1 verse 18 this charge i commit to you son how many of you are sons and daughters of the lord you need to take timothy's name out there and put your name in there god is charging me this is a command of god this is a directive of god this is god's plan for my life this is what god wants me to do and he says i charge you i charge you tom luther According to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that you may wage the good warfare, that you may wage a good warfare, having faith and good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. In other words, Paul says, the way you overcome battles and challenges that are going on in your life is you begin to speak what God says. You begin to declare what God declares. You can declare what it says in the Word of God and see it to come to pass. But what about those prophecies that God has said? God has spoken to us over and over and over again. And I can't tell you how many times He's spoken over to us. And somebody said one time, they said, well, don't you think that you are setting yourself up for an attack By proclaiming those things which God said, after all, Joseph, if he wouldn't have shared his dreams, he would have never been attacked. And that's a myth. Joseph needed to share his dream in order to activate God's plan for his life. God's plan is activated in your life when you declare it so. It's already in motion, but you cause it to manifest as you begin to speak about God's plans. When you begin to proclaim God's plans for your life. And you say, well, I don't know if I know God's plan for my life. Read Deuteronomy 28. He has made you the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in, and blessed going out. And he will cause everything that you put your hands to to prosper. You will see your enemy rise up against you one way and see him flee seven different ways. I'll never forget the time I was in prayer and I was speaking that and all of a sudden I had this mini vision and the Lord showed me. He said, He said, What that really means is that the enemy comes with you one way to try to defeat you. He said, But I have seven different ways to help you be victorious no matter what the devil throws at you. Glory to God. I believe that. Is anything too hard for our God? And so when we look at this, we make a war, we war, we win by declaring what God has said. And we say this, but we mean it, and we need to get it on the inside of us. I can have what God says I can have. I can do what God says I can do. I can go where God says I can go. I can drive what God says I can drive. I can live where God says I can live. I can make the salary that God says I can make. I can have the job that God says I can have because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I believe that. But that's a result of us saying those things. Our greatest days are ahead of us. I'm here to tell you your greatest days are ahead of you. The greatest days that the world has ever seen for His people, for God's people, are going to be manifested in a greater and more abundant glory than we've ever experienced in our entire life. I believe that with my whole heart. Somebody give God praise, don't pat a cake in this house. But you have to begin to put those thoughts in your mind, open your ears to those kind of prophecies spoken to us. But if someone came to you and said that, you know, the investment that you made is predicted to go bankrupt, and you're going to lose everything, including your original investment, what would you do? Well, most most people, and you see this, and this is one of the things that people who help people invest say not to do when the stock market starts to go upside down, hold steady. Don't just start pulling out okay? Just hold steady. I'm not trying to give anybody any type of financial advice here, okay? But I'm just trying to tell you that people react on what they hear in a negative way. We need to learn to ask ourselves, what are we hearing? Does it line up with the Word of God? Does it line up with the plan of God? And does it line up with the plan of God for my life? So what we speak about, you know, to people or to other people will do... Two or three things. Somebody came up to you, and uh, they looked okay. They seemed to be all right. They were in church, and they told you that they know or they had heard that your spouse was unfaithful to you. What would that do to you? That would cause you just, uh, you know, all of a sudden almost have a meltdown. What? You know, first thing I would say is that impossible. My wife never leaves my side. (laughs) That's what I would say. You know, I would know that that is a lie. But, you know, the enemy tries to use those negative words to begin to cause you to suspect your spouse. Isn't that exactly what it does? Well, hmm, why were they late the other day? They were 15 minutes late. Hmm, I wonder why this. I wonder why that. And you start, you know, getting a little paranoid and asking questions. You know, and it's the evil work and the wicked work of the enemy who wants to get you to think on the wrong things. And unfortunately, there are some people who seem to have good, well-intentions who will try to cause you to be shipwrecked. And this is what Paul was saying to Timothy. Timothy, don't listen to them. There are many who have shipwrecked the faith of many. But you know what? You have to turn it off. Somebody say, turn it off. You have to turn it off. You can't be listening to that and expect God to continue to bless you in all that you do. Come on, somebody. Am I doing all right? So Jesus said this in Matthew 15, verse 10. When he called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand. Hear and understand. Listen, it is wonderful that you hear, but don't just hear it. This is why we mass produce these messages so you can hear it again. And be reminded again, and be reminded again, and be reminded again. You know, one day I was sitting, you know, listening to a message, and I was asking myself, I wonder how many messages I've heard in my life. I go to conferences. You know, I've sat. There until my backside was tired and wore out and in pain, listening to the Word of God. I've drove many miles sometimes and lost sleep to hear the Word of God. How many times, you know, have I done that? You know, and how many messages have I heard? And I was just sitting there thinking, why am I hearing this? You know, and all of a sudden in my heart, I knew why I was hearing that because I needed to be reminded of those things again. We need to be reminded of those things again. We need to be reminded of what God has done for us on a regular basis. Why? Because there's a world system that's out there that's trying to degrade God's plan for your life. He's trying to desecrate God's plans for your life. He's trying to stop you from being all that God wants you to be. If he can't stop you from being born again and going to heaven, then he's going to try to stop you from experiencing heaven on earth. And God wants you to experience heaven on earth. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have victory in your life. And that's God's plan for your life. So Jesus said, you know, we need to take heed to what we hear. And he went on to say, and I'm going to skip on through this a little bit but uh, 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 so I can get somewhere else. We kind of started late here today. But he went on to say, it's not what goes in a man's mouth that defiles him, but it's what comes out of a man's mouth. Well, I understand he's talking about the digestive system there, and and I get all that. But what really comes out of a man's mouth is what we have allowed to be deposited in our own hearts. And so we might be in a situation where we go, well, Pastor, you know what? I've heard some negative things, and and unfortunately I've let those negative things get in my soul. And uh, I realize that, you know what, I've been dwelling on the wrong thing, or I've heard some negative things, and it seems to be affecting me. What do I need to do about this? Well, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus said, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. This is the key. This is the key to be successful. This is the key to operate in the king, kingdom of heaven. Now, remember what Jesus said. He said, repent or come to me. You know, that's all what it said in the Old Testament. God said, when you fall away, when you come back, you're going to find these blessings. Therefore, you come to me, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist said that. Jesus said that. And so the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and the Bible tells us the kingdom of heaven is within. And the Bible tells us the kingdom of heaven is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, if you break those three things down to really understand what they are, it means it's all the fullness of God that God has for you. And so if you want to walk in all the fullness of God that God has for you, Jesus is saying this, I will give you the keys to be able to walk in all the fullness that God has given you. And what are those keys? He said, he went on to say, say, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose in earth will be loose in heaven. Now, Brad, Pastor Brad Sullivan brought a great message and, and alluded it to, to us a couple times. But you know what? There's two realms that we deal with. We wrestle not against principalities and weaknesses in high places. The realm of the heavenly places, okay? And so the job of the fallen angels is to try to hinder what God has for our lives. And so, you know, it says right here, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So when you begin to take your authority as a believer and say, I bind those words, I bind those negative words from ever, uh, uh, ever manifesting in Jesus' name. Well, the Bible says that, you know what, the heavenly hosts. Jehovah both, the God of the heavenly host, it begins to go into action and make a way for the godly words have been spoken out of you, through you, and to you to make a way. That's exactly what happens. These are the keys. So when you bind something up, you don't just sit there and go and think, I'm binding this. No, when you bind something up, you proclaim, this thing is bound in the name of Jesus. I refuse to allow those words to affect me in the name of Jesus. I bind those words. And many times in my early morning prayer, if you were to listen to me, you'll hear me say, I take authority over every negative word spoken to me and through me. And I bind them up in the name of Jesus, and I declare they shall not produce. And Lord, forgive me if I've said something that's contrary to your will, plans, or purposes. And so I pray that, that pretty often. But then he went on to say, now these are the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And so when you declare and say, I loose the word of the Lord over me. I loose God's promises over me. I loose what God says over me. I release all of God's blessings. I loose that word that's been spoken over us. And Vicky and I will be praying this, and the intercessors will begin to, to just really uh, uh, release the spirit of God to bring this word that we just recently got, spoils, spoils. It's now time for you to collect the spoils. Amen. Amen? It's time for you to collect the spoils. You know, they, they pray over this, and they, they, they empower it, you know, through intercessory prayer. They empower it by proclaiming it. They empower it by putting it out there that we are going to now begin to collect spoils. These aren't, you know, these aren't just words that, oh, wasn't that a wonderful service? And what did Pastor Vinking say? Oh, she said, Pastor, was spoiled. <laughs> I can't help it. It's the favor of God. But anyway. But, no, these are words intentionally, and this is an intentional and a doable year, that are intentionally spoken in this congregation to you for such a time as this to receive all of God's best for your life. So Isaiah says, no weapons formed against you shall prosper. What's the greatest weapon that is formed against us in most of our lives? It's usually someone's words. You know, it's usually what somebody has said to us or about us. You know, and so, but those weapons, the weapons, uh, no weapons formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn, for this is your heritage. This is what you're designed to do. This is what you were created to do. This is your heritage as servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me. In other words, God says, you have a right to say no to every negative word, every negative weapon that would come against you, and it will obey your voice. Yes. Now, I'm going to just take a little bit of part of uh, Isaiah 54, 17. It says, and you shall condemn it. The word condemn means basically you shall prove them wrong. In fact, the Amplified Bible says, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. You'll show them to be in the wrong. You know, it doesn't matter what people say. You know what? About me, if it's negative, I'm going to prove them wrong. You know? And then the the expanded Bible says it like this. You will show those that speak uh, speak against you are wrong. Refute every accusation against you. Refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. You will show them that they're wrong. Well, how do we do that? Well, First Peter says it like this. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. What did Jesus say? Out of the abundance of the heart, what? So what are we supposed to do? Sanctify the Lord? We're supposed to take time to look into our hearts on a daily basis and ask ourselves, what's in there? What are we dwelling on? How to get there? Is it pleasing to God? Let the meditation of my heart please you psalm says is my meditation pleasing unto the lord they that meditate upon the law day and night shall make their ways prosperous the bible says in joshua if you dwell on these things what are you dwelling on these are where strongholds come from that's why it says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through god through the pulling down of strongholds We need to pull down. The Word of God is mighty and powerful. In other words, when we begin to replace these negative thoughts with what God says, well, how do we replace them? Well, we can think about it all day long, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to let you know that when you begin to hear it out of your own mouth, it begins to activate in your own soul. That's what's so important. Let me say that one more time. When you begin to hear it out of your own mouth, You know, a lot of us have people in our lives that are very influential on us. But you know who the most influential person in your life is? You. It's what you believe about yourself. It's how you see yourself. It's how you comprehend what's really going on. Well, Pastor, those people just don't like me. You know what you need to be confessing? Man, those people can't help but loving me. You know, they just can't help. They're stumbling over themselves to show favor of God on me. Everywhere I go, people like me. You know, one of the things my wife said about me when we first got married, and she still says this about me. She says, you know, it's so amazing. She says, you know, you walk up to people and you think everybody likes you. And I do. But on the flip side of it is I also kind of set myself up for rejection because every so often there's someone who's not very smart And they don't like me for some reason. That's their problem, right? That's not my problem. It could be a host of reasons why they don't like me. And, and she's like, you set yourself up. You just think everybody likes you. Well, everybody does like me. I can't help it. But I like everybody, too. You know, I have no reason to, you know, have aught against anybody. You know, I'm just so vulnerable in that particular area. Or maybe am I in a place where I'm in faith and trust God. That I know that no matter what happens, God's going to take care of me, because I want to be an instrument to be used of the Lord. You know, and if it means that somebody needs to be a little snotty to me, you know, at first, in order to see the love of God, I'll never forget the time. You know, and this was back in Fort Worth, and I don't, I can't really remember the time, uh, at uh, the the uh, the uh, the. The word the process of time we were i can't remember if we were living there at that time or if i'd come back to visit but i remember where it was at i was in a home depot in fort worth texas and just as i was purchasing this thing and getting you know uh, getting checked out for this particular product i was getting i asked the person who was doing uh, the cashier i said how are you i'm terrible i have this terrible headache and i said well can i pray for you Well, go ahead if you think it helps I said, okay. So I prayed for him. I said, how do you feel? Worse. And so I said, well, okay. I said, I'm still going to believe, you know. And I went to grab my stuff, and she said, sir, I just lied to you. The moment you prayed for me, in order to have a little bit of the exception, you know. But if I had a bad image on me, she said, well, it's just worse. If I had a bad image on myself, I would have said, well, you deserved it. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Help me preach this message. Let's be real in this world. Come on. That's how we feel sometimes, isn't it? Well, you know, that's on you. But anyway, but know God, you know, when you begin to see yourself, but the way you begin to see yourself is the way you proclaim yourself. And that's why it's so important that you begin to proclaim what God says about you. So Peter said this, sanctify yourself in the Lord, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And always be ready to give defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ Jesus may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than it is for doing evil. I want to share a testimony. And, you know, when I first went down to Fort Worth, Texas, um, I worked for a gentleman Worked for a couple guys, and they're still down there and, and things like this. And I don't think this gentleman would, would, would have a problem with me sharing this story. But one of my uh, supervisors, you know, he, he just was kind of rough with me. And uh, I never did figure it out. I tried to walk in love, and, and I could not understand. And now I'm sharing this for a reason because it was in the church. It was in ministry, okay? So not every ministry is perfect because not everybody in the ministry is perfect. But he was kind of rough and abrasive with me and things like that, always on my work, uh, work ethics, which I had pretty good work ethics, always questioning what I was doing and everything, you know. And and so anyway, so as time went on, you know, uh, I took another job at another ministry, and another fellow took my position. And that fellow who took my position could not speak well to me. And I knew exactly what went on. My boss had, former boss had, put some thoughts in this particular man's mind. And one day, you know, as God would set this up, we were set up, and I was just trying to walk in love and, and just see the best, and he began to talk to me, I began to talk to him, and finally he hung his head and just paused for a moment, reached his hand out, took my hand, said, will you forgive me? I said, well, for what? He said, well, I've said some awful things about you. He said, but after talking to you and getting to know you, I realized those things were wrong. I would not allow what they thought of me to cause me to project something that was different of me. It eventually proved them wrong. Well, what about your boss? Well, my boss came to me one day because I came back to that place and worked at a different position. It was, a, it was a actually out of maintenance and into pastoral staff is how I was hired. And he came to me one day and this same, same individual that gave me a hard time came with me and humbled himself and said, Will you forgive me? And I'm like, well, you know, not a problem here. I was so jealous of you. I knew God's hand was on your life. I knew God was going to promote you in the ministry. I knew God was going to do this, but I was just so jealous, and I just asked you to forgive me. Well, guess who's my bestie now? You know, no, I don't get to see him, but when I see him, we hug, we love. It's like none of that ever happened, you know, because somebody had to make a choice. Not to believe what other people said about him. And I made that choice. I'm not going to let your opinion affect God's plan for my life. Amen. I'm not going to let your words declare God's purpose for my life. Because God has a plan for you. And you. And you. And you. And you. And this is why we take these words that have been spoken over us. And we begin to war with them. We begin to declare them. The first war that we have is in our own souls. You know, Vicky and I say this from time to time, and we, we try to correct it, but we, we look at each other and we go, how could God ever use us? You know, we know where we came from. You know, we know what kind of lifestyle we lived and some of the things that we went through, but yet we go, God is so good that he can use us how do we get to the place where God can use us because we began number 1 to believe it number 2 to proclaim it you know when i was working at calvary cathedral as a janitor and i lived there this is where i met my wife or maybe i'd met her but anyway cuz i met her in bible school there and everything but anyway i was living there at the church and and um, you know at night when everybody was gone I'd get up in that great big stage in that 2,000-seat auditorium, and I would just preach my heart out. And I'd say, Tom Luther, you're going to preach to the thousands. You're going to preach to the thousands. And there were people who would say, well, you couldn't even preach to a church mouse. Probably true at the time. But I began to believe what God said about me. And you know, God's given us that opportunity to preach The hundreds and thousands and we're so thankful for that opportunity has it made us better persons no what's made us a better person is believing what god has said about us and declaring and warring with the words that he's spoken to us and we're still declaring those things we're still believing those things we're still embracing those things that god has for our lives why because you can be what god says you can be and you can go where God says you can go. You can have what God says you can have. You can do what God says you can do. There's somebody here, you have a desire to be a NASA scientist. God just dropped that in my spirit. And you know what? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're going to say, yeah, they were in our church at one time when you're landing on Mars or something. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. But somebody has some great desires here. And in the natural realm, you know, everything says, not you, but I'm here here to tell you, don't stay in the natural realm. Stay in the supernatural realm. Because you can be and do all that God's called you to be for the glory of God. Amen? But don't just receive it, say it. I'm anointed, say it, I'm anointed, at at a level that the world's not familiar with. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org, or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.